Welcome, everybody, to Outcomes of Sun Radio with my delightful co-host and best friend, Melissa Yamaguchi, and I'm Marielle Hemingway. And today, it's a fun show. I mean, it's yep. a fun show. It's a, is it an awkward show for me? No, it's not awkward. It's it's cool. I mean, what the coolest thing about growing up a Hemingway is the fact that my grandfather is Ernest Hemingway. And that has always been such an incredible part. I've been always so honored and grateful to be part of this amazing heritage. I didn't know him. He died four months before I was born. So I didn't actually know my grandfather. Uh, you know, he took his life in 1961 and I was born four months later in 1961 in November. And it's it's always been such a a great and tremendous like I said, honor, but also this, this wonderful, it's wonderful to come from a legacy that is so great. Right. And, and it, at times it was a little overwhelming. Like you're, you know, I think for my father, it was, it was, you know, being the son of one of the greatest writers in the world had to be daunting and overwhelming. And for me, it means that I only write self-help books <laughs> but, and I, and I post poetry in secret somewhere very, very far away. Um, but <clears throat> I always believed that being a Hemingway was an honor, but it was also something that you had to live up to. Like, I, I remember when I was at, when I was very big in the acting world and people would say to me, well, what's it like being a Hemingway? And I would say, well, it's great, but you know, it, it sometimes gets you in the room, but to stay in the room, you've got to show your own talents. You've got to, you got to step, step up to the plate. But I also think that it requires you to behave in a way that is like really heightened. And I, I don't know, I, I feel this, am I making sense? I feel this desire to be very- um, Worthy of the name. I yeah. Mean, look, the name yeah. Hemingway carries really strong, really strong characteristics come to mind when you think Hemingway. Like when I right. think Hemingway, I always think um, proud and fierce and courageous and and un, what's unrelenting in the in pursuit of what you what you're going to be doing going after and this kind right. of a really brave front. Like let me let me handle this. And I didn't obviously didn't know your grandfather. Um, but from what everything I've read, um, as he some people uh, struggling with aging is really I mean, this is a, your grandfather was hunting in Africa and riding with the bulls and run. I mean, he was doing yeah. everything so amazing. It was classic adventure. And yeah. so to, to realize that you're aging and that all of these incredible stories and life adventures that he experienced, I mean, yes. he volunteered to ride in the to do, in the war world war one to ride in the ambulance to rescue people and he was a volunteer ambulatory driver to rescue our soldiers i mean the soldiers from so his, his life was so full of adventure and to realize that all of this macho masculine grabbing life by the horns energy that he carried was dissipating had to be yeah overwhelming and daunting Absolutely. I mean, I've always said that the reason why he took his life is because he couldn't do the very thing that he loved so much. Yes, I know he suffered dep depression and yeah. all these different things and he was being medicated, but he ha also had a tremendous amount of trauma to his brain, right? And we know yes. from doing this show that 
trauma to the brain can cause all kinds of issues. And then on top of it, he drank a lot because that was that was the generation they thought it was you know it was more manly and if you went out with a another guy you had a drink together and you know and then when you were a woman not to say you had a drink you know whatever but that's that was the life then and you know i we're gonna get to talking about my grandfather's book uh a farewell to arms but you know it i do want to say you know we live in a in a culture that's very um you know, we're, we're fluid in the way that we think about sexuality and masculinity and femininity is, you know, it's very, it's just different now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when people talk about my grandfather and they say, oh, he was this macho guy, macho white guy. Well, yes, he was, he was, but he also lived in the twenties and the thirties and the forties and the fifties. It wasn't like living now. And I, you know, I often think that if he were to do his life now, he would yeah. be an environmentalist. I mean, yeah. he loved nature. He loved being outside. You know, they say, oh, well, he killed all these. Yet. But that was then. And nobody knew that animals were going to be. He was, a, he was a product of his society, as exactly. advanced as he was. And he would have morphed and evolved and changed because he was always morphing and evolving and changing anyway during that time. He was insanely intelligent. Some of the things that he says about life and the, his philosophy about listening, about about seeing people and having courage, mm-hmm. these things were, you know, those are timeless. His yep. thoughts about the world. And and that gets me to the book, you know, uh, that we were going to talk about today, A Farewell to Arms, which is what you and I, we both love this book. It's, it's yep. one of my favorites. I mean, I, I can't really say that there's, not a book that he has written and it's not just because he's my grandfather he's just such an extraordinary writer and when i was a kid i remember the first time i read one of his books i read an old man of the sea you know like every other kid but i my dad obviously gave it to me early i was probably 11 and i read this book and i remember thinking to myself that he was talking to me, that my grandfather was talking, you know, like I had some image in my mind that, you know, or, or like sense that I was being guided anyway. There's probably- I love that. Well, you know, that's why the genius of his writing style. But that is- He pulled you in. You may think, well, I'm, I'm going to read this and I'll see if I, if I want to read the book. And if you've read page one, you're already in page 40 because it's just, he draws you all the way through, even maybe before he identifies his character. He's Absolute, sitting on stage. He's telling you the snow on the leaves and the, the, the crisp walk, crunch of the leaves as I walk down. I mean, it's like you're, he's describing everything from, you're right there with him walking through the path. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. And the way that he wrote is also, the also th- the thing that is also very interesting is that you know many people have made movies they made you know i think what love and love and war or something yes uh with uh who was that who did they make that um, with? Uh, that guy who's that guy uh uh geez i'm losing it oh i can see him he's, he's uh, me too um, big smile is he british uh no uh is he <laughs> anyway the show's but, not about movies today yeah <laughs> they make movies about 
uh, or, you know, they've taken his books and made movies from them. And the funny thing is he wrote wonderful dialogue, but it's prose. It's not dialogue. It's right. not script. Like when you write, read a script, it should be words that come out of a human's mouth. And yeah. they're not because he was he was an artist. Yes. He was making things so that, you know, that you got this feeling. So sometimes the movies would just fall so flat because they're not words that were meant to be spoken. They were meant to be read. Yes, right? there's a difference. a different thing. Difference. You feel like it's intimate and you understand it. But when you say them, you're like, this is awkward. There's no like beginning, yeah. middle and end. But when somebody writes, it's a whole different thing. And, you know, entirely grandfather changed the way probably the world wrote from his from his generation on. I think he gets bringing this lean simplicity to yeah. the way people wrote. Yeah. He gave it permission. He gave them permission when they saw how successful he was mm -hmm. because people related to the way he spoke to them in normal terms. It wasn't this nothing against Shakespeare because I love Shakespeare also, but it wasn't this this lengthy long and thine eyes from that, you know, it wasn't this long yeah. lengthy where people felt as though they couldn't grasp the meaning of it. Now, certainly there are other authors, but nobody really captivated the, the readers like Hemingway. He was really masterful at bringing everybody right along with him. And he wrote from a lot of his own experiences, which Absolutely. really makes it even more, you, you feel like you're you're with your friend and he's sharing with you, like I could just, you know, you're around a campfire and he's saying, so I was walking, imagine this, I'm <laughs> out in the bush and I'm hiding behind in the great white. And you're like, what happened? You're right there with him. It's fascinating. Yeah, it. Uh, he. Yeah, I, I love his description. More. I mean, what? It's one of the things that my father passed on to me because he was such. A, my father was a great, you know, like I don't even want to say environmental. He just loved nature. He was out. He was hunting. He was fishing. But he was out in nature for probably, you know, ninety percent of of his yep. daylight hours. He was yep. on a river. He was in the mountains, he was hiking, he was, or, you know, in the sea doing something. And, and I know he got that from his father, sure. his fa but Ernest loved, loved the texture of places. Like, you know, when we, when we talk about uh, this book that, that, that we're talking about today, A Farewell to Arms, the description of, yeah. you know, him being in those hills and the way things smelled and the way they felt it's so it's actually intoxicating yes the it way is. that he describes things and he you know he spent hours choosing a word i think about my flippant way of just like when i write stuff i'm like you know and i just let it come he like he labored over words just one word and what it meant and how it tied into the other words I, I don't know I'm well for, for our audience who has not read a fair a farewell to arms i as a layman non-hemingway here would like to really really encourage people to pick this book up if someone said oh well i read i read hemingway i've read um uh the sun the oh gosh the sun also rises what is it yes. oh my god no, the, uh, and and i've read for whom yeah. the bell tolls an old man of the sea please read a farewell to arms and i because i think today the relevancy of a farewell to arms is this 
in this book, which is, I don't want to give away the ending, but it's this fascinating book about the, the true horrors of war and the way that he's, the, the book is written in narration form from this Lieutenant Henry, but he's really speaking about it in past tense. So you're, he's telling you something he's been through and he's, re, he's bringing you along this entire episode. And along the way, Lieutenant Henry falls in love with a nurse, Catherine, and they fall in love. And so the juxtaposition is he's in this horrific World War One, and he's a volunteer ambulatory driver for for, right. for Italy. But he he he's he takes some shrapnel to his leg and he falls in love with Nurse Catherine. So in the middle of this horror of, of people dying around him and them rescuing people and the shrapnel and the bullets flying and people, the tragedy and the and the horrific uh, outcome of war. He's describing love and falling in, in love, this yeah. incredible joy of love to, so much and allowing himself to deeply fall in love to the point where he at one point mentions in the book, I don't remember how far down it is, but he says something to the effect of only this word only is important, only 7000 dead. And the point about it is, is that the word only was used. That's the most important thing to me. It's like, if only 7,000 were dead, how many more needed to die before it was significant? But he was in love and he was, he's walking through this tragedy of life saying only 7,000 dead, but he's going on to describe this love with Catherine, not because he's calloused, but because Lieutenant Henry needs to survive. And he yeah. recognized that. I, I, I'm, I'm enchanted by this book. And the reason I think it's so relevant today, Mariel, is because one of the things that I think your grandfather was so astute at pointing out in this book, as he does in a lot of his books, is that he recognizes and recognized the brevity of life. Yeah. And life is never as long as we want it to be. And so our number one job is to seize the day and to yeah. grab all the joy we can in every single moment. So yes, he's driving this ambulance and they're picking up the yeah. wounded and the dead and they're, they're collecting the, the only 7,000 bodies that they've got that, day, that week or month, but he's still in love. He still yeah. sees a woman and falls passionately in, in love with this gal. And I mean, I just, no, it's, it's, so, it's, 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 it's so impressive how, the juxtaposition of love and war. I mean, that's yes. why they called the movie Love and War, right? Yeah. They they called it that, you know, because Farewell to Arms is actually based on a, a on a poem that was written by somebody can't remember the name of, but <laughs> but I didn't know that. Yeah, it was written. He, yeah, like yeah, for whom the bell tolls. Yes, uh, it is also based on something. He kind of always took something. I like that. something else and and used it um in his titles quite often and also you know he's talking about a somewhat similar situation that happened to him yes he was, he was an ambulance driver mm -hmm. in the, he went and he volunteered to be an ambulance driver in this you know this war that was happening and he was in the hospital he got hit by you know like whatever shrapnel and the whole yeah, thing yeah. he was in the hospital and fell in love with a nurse agnes karowski i think her name was <laughs> anyway catherine is much more romantic sorry agnes yes, i think so i think that that's why he chose a different kind of name um and you know and, and one of my favorite pictures of him in life is 
when uh, he was in this hospital and he's look, he's on his side and he's looking at the camera in this big, huge, I mean, very dis distinctive Hemingway smile. And he was very young. I mean, he had to be in his, it, he was probably 20. He was probably, or maybe even 19. I mean, he was super young, but he chose to go there and he always was searching passionately for these adventures that yes. were going to change his life. That's what, and you know, my opinion is that that's why he drank and did these things because he was always trying to get to that place again yeah. where, where you're, you're, you're walking the razor's edge of courage and fear yep. and, you know, love and war and, yep. you know, and the, and the, the turmoil of those two, of those two giant diverse emotions and yeah. yet how close they are right because yes. you know they they say that you know like it there's such a it's very fine line between love and hate there's this there's this thing <laughs> that happens so and love and war is it's a similar thing i mean you because you hate war right or you don't like it very much one hopes well the thing is also i think life is really hard yeah life is very and and, and i think a, a lot of 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 having to face the pain of life can be very overwhelming, no matter how courageous and strong yes. and brave you are and, and how yeah. fast you can outrun the bulls. It life is 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 a is a tough challenge for a lot of us. I wanted to, and I know it's completely off the the uh, a farewell to arms, but I found a quote. I pulled out some of my notebooks, some the, uh, the my old notebooks. Can I can I interrupt to tell our audience that you used to be a school teacher and used to teach well my mom was my teacher too my mom introduced Hemingway. oh yeah and yeah. so my mom taught literature american lit and i remember saying to her why didn't you study european lit because there's too many fascinating authors in america i wanted to stick with american lit wow. so she pushed she encouraged me into that direction and so this love of american literature has trailed down our family for years yeah I, there's one quote that i found in my notes that i wanted to read today and i was like oh shoot we're talking not shoot we're talking about a farewell to arms but this one that i wrote that i really wanted to read to you also was from for whom the bell tolls and it says this today is only one, this is your grandfather's writing today is only one day and all the days that will ever be but what will happen in all the other days that ever come can depend on what you do today. And I love that. I love that. And I and I I highlighted that in my notes and I thought that right there is so powerful. That's your grandfather's writing that I think yeah. we celebrate in all of his masterful works. But absolutely. What you know, and it's so relevant when we're talking about relevancy today, because everybody's trying to be present, trying to stay in this moment, trying to that is the very definition of being present. Yes. Right? What you do right now, how it happens, will create this future. Yes. You know, this future that we don't know what that is, you know, but but it's this, it's always the moments. He was so good at encapsulating very finite moments and really expressing them so that you you got a guttural sense. I mean, you, you read the quote and I've heard the quote many, many times and I still get emotional. I still, it, it take, you know, like it goes to your heart in some way. 
I love I, that. I think that the between that quote about understanding that everything you do in every moment can determine what tomorrow brings. Yes. Between that and then a farewell to arms theme of life is short. And grab all the joy and the adventure and the love and the, all the advantages yes. that life brings in the, today. Grab it. So what yes. you do today depends on what determines tomorrow. But while you're here, grab it. I yes. just think that, that, you know, I know your grandfather took his life, but man, he loved life. He, he lived it love so life. fully. And I think that that's, that was the, the dichotomy there is that he wasn't living the life that he loved to live yeah like he was on it was like it was he's going to the mayo clinic they're giving him shock treatment they're doing these things back when it was probably more archaic than it is now yes yes and you know he was starting to not be able to live that life yes and i it, it's a very relevant point well it's relevant because my daughter is in london right now and this morning she said some, it was we were talking about her day and she told me that she walked past this older man who probably she couldn't really tell age. My daughter's in, my daughter's 23. So I, I think that when you're 23, you can't tell the difference between 65 and 145. But uh, she uh, said, he's older, mom. He's like a little older than you. And I was like, great. Okay, so he's really old then. <laughs> so she walked past this gentleman and he said to her, hello. And say she turned and said, hello. And I'm gonna have to paraphrase because I didn't hear all the conversation exactly, but something to the effect of hello. And he said, it looks like it's gonna rain. She said, do you have an umbrella? And he said, you're very kind. After a little bit of banter, he said, you're very kind. And she said, oh, thank you. And he said, nobody ever talks to me. And oh, so wow. she and I were talking about it. I said, Seiji, this is, a, this is a challenge we have in society, regardless of the country. We are, our elderly become invisible and we don't see them. And yes. so the, the thing about when this, which brings me back to thinking about your grandfather. Here, here's a man who was, living life to its absolute fullest and yeah. if that wasn't going to be a possibility anymore who his identity was so tied in to those to that life if that's not possible who is he yeah who is he because exactly he, he wasn't right. impressed by celebrity you could read it in all of his yeah. interviews no no that's exactly right who was he if he couldn't be who he knew he was right, right. if he can't wake up in the morning and, you know, he claimed to see every sunrise. We don't know if that's true, but if he couldn't do that and write for four hours before he ever had a drink, right? You know, like he had all these rules. There were things about, he knew about writing that you don't do it drunk. You know, it's, it, it won't be, it won't be good and all of those things. And when he wasn't able to do those things, when he wasn't able to be himself, to be who he knew himself to be, it's a very, yeah. it's a very salient point. And I think that, that when, if you, if you want to talk about mental health, which we often do here, I mean, that's the, the great question is where, when we feel lost, when we feel disconnected from who we are yes. or who we know ourselves to be, and maybe who we are needs to be different than who we thought we were. Right. But it's when we disconnect and we can't find any footing at, as humans. It's that's when life is confusing, and that's when you need help, right? That's when. That's when I, you know, that's like I just hope anybody who's listening who suffers once in a while and feels disconnected or alone and all that. 
understand that so many great thinkers, so many great people, so many normal, whatever that means, normal, simple, you know, living normal, simple lives, all of us come come across these challenges in our lives where we have to dis- decide, oh, who am I right now? You right. know, it, and that's an, it, it's an interesting conversation. I'm sure that it was a conversation he was having inside his head, right? Yep. You know, and, and lately you and I have been talking about people that we know that we, some of them have friends and some, we can tell they don't have friends. That's right. They don't right? have friends. They, because you can tell they're not bouncing ideas ideas of people i mean i'm so grateful for my relationship with you and my grateful for my relationship with bobby because we bounce things off yes. each other you need you need a place for those ideas even if they're crazy even if they're cruel for a moment you know you know you're in a safe place to say a a, a nasty angry thing but you know you can come safely back and go gosh i, I don't know what well, if you're if you don't have friends to bounce ideas off you're talking in stereo you're yeah. just like you know rolling around yeah. yourself there's something i want to bring up also i want to read i'm sorry i'm reading so much because i wrote this down because I, I love, love it. I, I just love your grandfather's writing henry is considering two alternate henry lieutenant henry who is our protagonist and our main character who is is the alter ego of ernest henry is considering two alternate ways of being a man either going off on your own to engage in nature or enjoying women and sex. Well, okay, first of all, that's your grandfather. <laughs> your grandfather. Either going off in nature to enjoy nature and really grab the adventures of riding with the bulls and and, and hunting and riding yeah. and fishing and or finding some women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Papa. Oh, Papa. Just remind me a bit of Bobby. I anyway you don't know bobby's my significant other and that pretty much sums him up (laughs) he works he certainly works really hard but he does he loves nature he does love me so that's nice (laughs) yeah he is he is uh, something about there's something you know what that is Uh, i mean we can joke about it but that's passion it's a person with passion. Intense passion. It's when you're going outside, if you're taking a walk or, you know, like in in uh, a movable feast, he's walking up the Swiss Alps and, you know, to go skiing, because back then they didn't have chairlifts. You hiked up to <laughs> ski down, right? But he talks about the, you know, it, it was like you're earning this ride down. And, and he talks about the sweat and the feel of the snow and how heavy and how tired and then earning the evening of a great meal and a glass of wine and then making love to your wife <laughs> so awesome he i mean the- gosh, he loved he loved living life fully he lived it a hundred percent and yeah. i think that what i take from it mm-hmm. because i'm not running with any bulls and i'm not chasing any tail so what i am <laughs> going to do what I can do, how I, because you know, it's all about how do how do I get better today than yet more better today than yesterday, one percent better every day. And after being being reintroduced to your grandfather's writings, after, you know, going through my notes, I realized that you know, too much life passes by so quickly, and people go, "Oh, my kids are already 20. Well, yeah. gosh, from two to twenty, there's a lot of there's a there's a lot going on, and I. I don't think I'm better than anybody by saying this. I'm just telling you, I never have felt that. I loved 
every single age my kids were. I never thought of them as terrible twos or tantrum threes or whatever they, the little monikers they would give them because I am, I embraced those times when my kids were saying no, because I knew that was vital to their independence that they learned to say, no, I do it. And, you know, even though I wanted to do it for my baby, I, I understood the value of it. So every single year my kids have been alive, I've just been jumping all in, whether it was 10 and a half or 14, whatever it was, I was fully engaged, so happy. But I do realize that this, this grabbing of life every single day is so vital to make sure that I, I am living it fully. There's an old yeah. quote, and I can't remember who said it. I don't want to, I don't want to crawl gently into my coffin. I want to slide in sideways as the lid snaps down and go, woo, what a ride. And that's <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I, I love that. And that's how you should approach anything you do, whether it's parenting or grandparenting as I'm Ooh. going to be able to do. So, I mean, I'm doing it now, but I don't see them as much as I'd like, but I mean, that's how you should approach life. Right. Yep. I, and this is, I love this conversation. I love this conversation because that's what a great, that's what great writing does. It, yes. it evokes, it evokes thoughts that make you think about how you're living your life right? Mm -hmm. It's not just about the story. A great book will take you into a place where you go, oh my gosh, I've thought those thoughts. Oh my gosh, I felt that way. Oh my God, whatever. Right. Oh, I would love to live a passionate life. Oh, I wish I was more adventurous. I mean, I just love all that. It's all good. It's I all good to me. Well, this was fun. This yes, was it a was. fun show. Thank you, Thank Papa. You everybody for listening, listening in. We here we are on Dash. We're also on Spotify and YouTube and Apple and probably other places that I'm forgetting. <laughs> but Dash, we are on the uh expansion channel. So if you're looking on Dash, it's actually a really cool way to listen to our show because soon we will have other shows on this channel called expansion and it's a uh, it's it, it's a channel that both melissa and i have put together with some artists and 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 thinkers and crazy providers that are so much fun uh you're gonna have a really good time checking out some of these other shows because they're really interesting with really interesting perspectives on live we've tried to have a broad spectrum of ages and people and I think you're really going to love it. So stay tuned because that's that's coming in the very, very near future. So. October 1. October 1. October 1. We launch Expansion Network on Dash Radio. Thank you all so very much for listening to us. I'm Mariel Hemingway. That's Melissa Yamaguchi. If you can't see her, I'm telling you, she's cute as a button. And <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, everyone.